Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. A stoic woman sits on the throne of Kiev, her eyes fixed on the small group of emissaries standing before her. The news they bring is grim, yet her face remains hard, regal, and determined. The battle was a disaster. Her husband has been slain, his head brought to the king of the Derevlians, who fashioned it into a wine goblet. Derevlian forces are mobilized for war, eager to press their advantage. The Derevlian soldiers before her not only brought the news, but now they have the audacity to come to her court and demand that she marry their upstart king, surrender her power, unite their kingdoms under the banner of the man who murdered her husband. But this is Olya of Kiev, descended from Norsemen, the daughter of Vikings, the princess regent of Kievan Rus, and she has no thoughts except revenge. With the wave of her hand, she has the Derevlian soldiers seized and burned alive. She tells her men to prepare her horse and mobilize for war. One day, Olya of Kiev will be sainted, canonized by the patriarch of the Orthodox Church and declared one of the great heroes of Christendom, equal to the apostles. But today, she demands vengeance. Hello, and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson, and I am here, of course, with uh, my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. Pat, how's it going for you? It's going okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. We have a revenge-filled story today that is very violent, but also weirdly divisive and political, considering that it deals with a woman who lived over a thousand years ago. And it kind of really highlights, you know, the importance of language, Pat, which is something that you mm-hmm. study a lot of. Yeah, yeah. And the name of our figure itself yeah, is a little divisive or at least symbolic. Yeah, it's interesting, right? How much power names have, right? It's the it's the he who should not be named kind of situation. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um so the the person we're talking about today, she is a uh, an orthodox saint from the 900s who is still kind of relevant today for two completely and like is used in propaganda for two completely opposite reasons interestingly so yeah i learned her name as saint olga of kiev i was a, a russian and eastern european studies minor in college and i first came across this story when i was doing um you know the history of eastern europe and we're mm-hmm. talking about a place called kievan rus uh which was kind of the 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 empire that was kind of the conglomeration of city-states that eventually grew in to become both uh, both Ukraine and Russia claim it as the birthplace of their countries. Um, and though it, and it was settled primarily by or largely by by Vikings from Sweden. So it's all over the place. Um, and I encountered her name and have called her for years. Uh, for m- the majority of my life, I have known her as Saint Olga of Kiev, which is how she's written in the, the primary chronicle, which is where a lot of the story exists. Um, 
but it's not the only way that her name, uh, that's the only, not the only way that she's known. Um, her name in Old Norse was probably Helga. Um, and the Russians called it Olga because that sounds a little more Russian to them. Um, in Ukrainian, she's known as Olha of Kiev. And uh, she probably actually spoke Old Church Slavonic. Uh, and in that language, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's Volya. And then when she was baptized, she took Elena as her Christian name. So it's it's a mess, Pat. <laughs> it is. It is. You learned her name as Olga of Kiev. I think we're going to try to call her Olha of Kiev in this episode, but old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. I, I will probably slip in and call her Olga every once in a while. Um, there has been over the past several years a, a very strong push to um, use the Ukrainian versions of various names mm -hmm. from Kievan Rus and from uh, Kievan Rus and, you know, uh, and, and in, in Ukraine and for obvious reasons, which I understand, and we're going to try to adhere to that to the best of our ability mm -hmm. but it is yeah. very interesting in that how much like what you call a person from 1300 years ago how how much power that name still has and how much power that language still holds so who is this Saint Olha by any name? Yes. So Saint Olha, uh, Helga, I don't know, Elena, whatever, whatever we're going to, whatever. Um, yeah. So after all of that preamble, we are going to talk about Saint Olha of Kiev, who was the, she's like I've said, she's a an Orthodox saint and, um, you know, very pious woman uh, who was also not in any way to be messed with. She was incredibly like brutal and violence and we're going to get into this awesome story of this uh this this princess descended from vikings who enacts viking vengeance on all of those who uh stand in her way to quote the russian primary chronicle that i mentioned a bit ago it says quote when the derevlians arrived olya commanded that a bath should be made ready and invited them to appear before her after they had bathed the bathhouse was then heated and the derevlians entered in to bathe Olya's men closed up the bathhouse behind them, and she gave orders to set it on fire so that the Derevlians would all be burned to death. <laughs> so Whoa. that's what we're talking yeah. about here. There's a lot of people dying in fire in the Olya of Kiev story, so we're going to get into it here. Yeah, let's find out more about who Olha is, and also who are these Derevlians, and why does she want to set them on fire? <laughs> so after this break, we'll get right back into it. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's Dime Beauty beautyco.com code get dime for 20% off nobody wants to outlive their money but it happens especially for women 
That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So Olyev Kiev was born in a town called Pskov, P-S-K-O-V. I don't know how you would pronounce that. I don't, I don't know if you... Pskov? Pskov, yeah. yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, and this is in the very eastern part of what we now call Russia, near the Estonian border, if yeah. you're looking at a map. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of on the edge of what we know now as, as Kievan Rus, which was um, basically... They're called Varangians uh, in some of the old texts, but they're Vikings. They're from Sweden and Norway, Denmark. Um, Vikings liked to come down. They wanted to trade with Constantinople. And in order to get down there, you had to go down the Dnipro and the Volga rivers. And so they would be sailing down. And they eventually started setting up some settlements uh, where, uh, you know, Vikings would live alongside the Slavs that uh, lived there already. And so... Mm -hmm. This kind of conglomeration of city-states eventually becomes known as Kievan Rus, becomes a, a principality, and um, and they have they have royalty uh, as it as it as it goes. So Saint Olga is born probably around eight ninety CE. Um, she was the daughter of some of these aristocratic Viking colonists who had come from Sweden, uh, probably, and. Um, she ends up marrying a guy named Prince Igor of Novgorod in 903. Um, he's also known by his Norse name, which is Ingvar. Uh, Igor is the son of Rurik, who is the Viking guy who basically initially set up this Kievan Rus society. Rurik is a guy mm -hmm. who might be a little bit mythological, um, but the story goes that uh, he had come down the river, settled in Kiev, um, and there there were some people living there and they were having an argument. Oh, I want, I, you know, maybe I can have these Vikings help me against this guy. Maybe I can, and there were some infighting in the city and they invited Rurik the Viking to come help them. And he resolved this problem by basically killing everybody and taking over and making himself the king. So that's Rurik. Rurik's son is named Igor, and Igor is now the husband of uh, an aristocratic um, Varangian woman named Olya. 
When Rurik dies, it's around 912, Igor becomes the king, the ruler of Kievan Rus, and Oya is the is the princess or the queen. He's called the Prince of Novgorod because they didn't want to call themselves kings because there's all kinds of politics mm-hmm. involved with that. So Yeah, but prince, that's a safe title. And if you're married to a prince, you are a princess. Yes. So she's a princess. But she's the she's the main the main person, right? The main yeah. queen. Yeah. But she doesn't want to call herself that because it gets weird. So Igor does some stuff around Kiev and Novgorod. These are the two biggest settlements in Kievan Rus at the time. Um, but in 945 AD, he tries to kind of like, he, he's doing a very Viking thing. He's fighting his enemies and conquering them and making them pay tribute to him. And he tries to double dip with a group of guys called the Derevlians. Um, They are a, a Slavic tribe and Derevlia is... Well, we don't know, Pat, where Derevlia is. No, it seems like Derevlian territory kind of covers parts of modern-day Ukraine, modern-day Belarus. Their capital city is modern-day Korosten, which, according to Google Maps, is a little over two hours drive or a day, day and a half walking west-northwest of Kyiv. I'm not sure how long it would take on horseback, but the territory, whatever the exact boundaries of the Drevlian territory, it's too close for comfort with Igor and Olha and our Kievan Rus pals. Yeah, and Kievan Rus is is in charge here, and they have gotten they have extracted tribute from the Drevlians, but but Igor he's he's spending a lot of money and he needs more. And he decides he's going to go back to these Derevlians with his army and get some more money out of them. Well, the Derevlians don't like it. The king of the Derevlians at this time is Maul, spelled M-A-L. So I might kind of switch between pronouncing it like Darth Maul and like Mal from Firefly as I go through the story. Uh, It's just, it's like Olya, how there's just different ways of saying the name. So King Maul responds by ambushing Prince Igor and his entourage. He kills the honor guard, he splits Igor in half by tying him between two trees, decapitates him, scoops his brains out of his head, dips the skull into molten gold, turns it into a decorative wine goblet, and shows it off at dinner parties. That's what he does. He he decapitates Prince Igor and turns his head into a sippy cup. Yay. I'm thinking of some Halloween decorations I've purchased at Target over the years. Like it's a Halloween candy bowl. <laughs> yes, yes. But that was, I don't know, $5 and made out of plastic. And I don't think any actual humans were killed in the making of my Halloween decorations. <laughs> well, I mean, this worked out well for King Maul of the Derevlians. He'd won. He protected his people from a foreign ruler. He saved a civilization from paying unreasonable tribute. He stopped an enemy tyrant and he vanquished the Prince of Kiev once and for all. And then he pushed his luck a little too far. Uh-oh, King Maul. King Maul, what are you going to do? King Maul, you got to quit when you're ahead, buddy. He sent a, t- he sent a team of 20 ambassadors to Kiev uh, for two reasons. First, they were going to tell Princess Olya that her husband was dead. He'd met an untimely sword-related demise, and now his head was being used as a fancy container for alcoholic beverages. Second, he was going to demand her hand in marriage to unite the kingdoms of Kiev and Derevlia into one powerful Viking Slavic empire. So, Pat, I'm going to give you two guesses, knowing just what you know from that original paragraph. I'm going to give you two guesses. What Olya, a born and bred Viking warrior woman who only had a sense of humor when it came to setting people on fire. What do you think she did when they proposed a marriage to her? Oof. I'm guessing that... This did not go over well with her. 
And I'm guessing that she might respond not necessarily by using her words, but maybe by using fire and pointy objects. Fire and blood. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, now she's in now she's in charge. The the king is dead, the prince is dead, and the heir is three years old. It's their son Sviatoslav, um, who is who's three and uh, isn't old enough to make decisions for himself. So she's gonna regent for Sviatoslav until he's old enough. Um and she kind of looks, she's just been informed of the death of her husband, and his murderer is now asking for her hand in marriage. So she actually is a little bit calculated. This is a cool thing that we're going to see about Saint Olya. She's not, she's not immediately flying to a rage, fire and blood. Mm-hmm. She thinks about it a second, and she's like, uh, "I'll read. I'll quote again from this primary chronicle. Um, Your proposal is pleasing to me. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead. But I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return to your boat and remain there with an aspect of arrogance." I shall send for you on the morrow, and you shall say, we will not ride on horses or go on foot. Carry us in our boat, and you shall be carried into the city in your boat. Hmm. That's an interesting move. Yeah. So this speech of Olha that you've given us, it's from the Russian Primary Chronicle, and this is a useful source for the period. It's a chronicle of Kyiv and Rus from around the years 850 to 1100. And it's attributed to the same monk, Nestor the Chronicler, who wrote several other works of Kyiv and Rus history and also some biographies of saints. It might not be 100% reliable as a historical source, but it's definitely a good source for stories. And Speaking of stories, how are these Drevlian ambassadors in our story doing now that Olya's told them, and you shall be carried in your boat? They are happy about this. That sounds awesome. I can go home and go back to my boat because they came in on um they came in on the river. So like mm-hmm. you were saying, the Drevlians were probably north of here. So these guys had come by by boat, probably down the Dnipro. Um, and so they 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 go back to their boat. And uh, they're sitting there and they're excited. And then the next day, the people of Kiev and Rus show up and the ambassadors get to say their line of, you know, you got to carry us in our boat. And the this group of big, strong Vikings and Slavs, this big groups, big, strong Kievan people, they say, OK, we'll carry you on. They lift them up out of the water. Um, they, they put them on their shoulders or on carts or whatever. And they parade the Derevlian ambassadors through the streets of Kiev um, in a in a triumphant parade. And this sounds like fun. If I were a Drevlian ambassador, I'd be excited, right? Yeah, it's like a carnival float, you know? <laughs> They're getting yeah, traveled down the main yeah. street. People are kind of standing there watching them, like the city's turned out for it. This is exciting. And then um, they kind of are going down towards Town Hall, and, and then they make a left, and they, they start to go away from, from the palace, and the Drevlians sitting on the boat are kind of looking around, and then they realize that the, the road kind of ends at this big hole. I'm like that doesn't that doesn't look right, and they get a little closer to the hole, a little closer to the hole, and um and then the Drevlian's like maybe I I should get out of the maybe I should get out of this something's not right here, and then the big strong men of Kiev throw the boat into the giant hole that they dug overnight, and start to fill it up with dirt, burying these guys alive under tons of dirt and rocks, and that's Oof. the end of these twenty ambassadors. They are pelted with rocks and dirt dropped into a hole they can never climb out of, uh, and we've never found them. <laughs> There's no mm. sign of them has ever been, or this boat has ever been uncovered. 
Wow. So it feels like a victory parade turns into being buried alive. Yeah, you know, it's the, I think on Ukrainian Independence Day, uh, there was, uh, I think President Zelensky did a, a speech about Ukrainian independence. And he said that the Russians wanted to do a parade down the main street of Kiev. And he's standing in front of a bunch of burned out tanks on the main street of Kiev. <laughs> it's, what, it's what it makes me think of. Mm -hmm. um, so a little bit of that happening here. Uh, the grave has never been discovered, which could point to your your thing that the sources might be unreliable, or it could point to the fact that these Kievan dudes dug a really, really big hole. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're strong enough to carry a boat on their shoulders through the streets of the city, maybe they could dig a huge ditch overnight. Yeah. Especially if they were highly motivated. Yeah. Speaking of highly motivated, St. Olia is not done yet. So these uh. Derevelians have shown up. They've told her her husband is dead um, and that she should marry the guy who ordered his execution and is currently drinking wine out of a skull-shaped mug made out of this guy's head. Um, so she has those ambassadors buried alive. Then she thinks on her feet. She sends a messenger of her own to the capital of Derevlia, to King Mal himself, with a message. And that message is, yes, Olya would love to marry you. Send all of your greatest warriors to Kiev so that they can escort his future wife back to Drevlia for all the great marriage stuff. This is going to be really fun. And King Mal eats it up. He is, I don't know. I, <laughs> King Mal is, uh, is, is kind of being catfished a little bit here. And he's, he's a little bit... Catfish, that's one way to put it. Yeah, Yeah, he's a little bit too enthusiastic about it. And he's very excited that, that this... This beautiful Viking princess wants to marry him. <laughs> yes. And so he's got stars in his eyes. He's singing to himself, putting on some axe. And he has no idea. A literal axe, not axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe he wants to smell nice too while he's, you know, holding an axe. Um, but he has no idea what's happened to his ambassadors who are currently under several feet worth of dirt yeah yeah the messenger's like oh no they're fine don't worry about it those messengers like they're having a party right now they're 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 too busy with all of the wine and beautiful women to uh return but they'll come back with us we'll all come back together it'll be fine and so king mal's like yes so he gets his honor guard of all of his best troops which you'll remember that um prince igor was traveling with all of his best troops in an honor guard as well and those guys also didn't make it back so uh there's hmm. a little bit of hmm. a little bit of foreshadowing yes a little bit I, of foreshadowing. if this were a work of fiction this would be foreshadowing <laughs> yes <laughs> and so so king mal sends all of his senses his honor guard his his elite troops um to the gates of kiev where they are greeted by the captain of olya's royal guard and this is where we get that quote from the beginning where the captain of the royal guard says yes the princess will receive you she is currently washing her hair and doing her makeup i guess so why don't you guys go take a bath and then you can be you know it's been a long journey you'll take a bath here then you'll be all nice to meet the princess and we'll all ride back together in our best gear 
And these guys say, okay, yeah, that sounds great. We'll go to the Kievan baths. That sounds pretty great. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Actually. Yeah, Vikings were actually like weirdly really well known for, for their baths and for bathing. You would, you don't think about that when you think about Vikings, but it was a common complaint that the Saxons, Anglo-Saxons had about the, the Vikings is that all of the Anglo-Saxon women preferred Viking men because they bathed once a week. It's dating tips. Badass yes. of the week dating tips. <laughs> bathe yes. once a week. Yes, bathe at least once a week. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And these Cuban baths recommended by Princess Olha herself, they're probably pretty nice. I mean, I'm imagining a sauna attached to them. Yeah, I mean, it's a Viking bath, right? So, you know, like sauna kind of deal, like, you know, Swedish mm -hmm. Swedish resort style I, I is also kind of what I'm envisioning. So these guys go and they're getting washed up and they're in the sauna kind of deal and it's getting a little hot and it's getting a little hotter. And it's getting a lot of starting mm -hmm. to sweat, getting a good sweat on. And then there's some smoke, which there always kind of is in a sauna. But then there's a little bit yeah. of a little bit of crackling, a little bit of black smoke, a little bit of oh no, the door's locked. <laughs> now we're uh -oh. oh, oh this no, this is not this is not aromatherapy we're talking about here. This no, is... this is death by smoke inhalation Ooh. we're talking about here. This is <laughs> this building is on fire and it's barred from the outside. And anybody who Oof. actually manages to get even an arm out is going to get stabbed. <laughs> by a big army Oof. of dudes standing outside waiting to kill everybody <laughs> and um and then those guys all die they die uh, they they die of smoke inhalation or burn to death in the world's hottest sauna um and then Oof. saint olia who remember is a is a orthodox saint will be remembered by history as a as a saint and a very pious and holy woman um she shows up to kind of make sure that the deed was done and is very pleased to see that everybody mm -hmm. is uh is burned up now, that's what's happening in Kiev, and we know what's going on in Kiev, but back in Korosten, back in Drevlian territory, how is King Mal doing? Does he know what's going on? Does he have any inkling of what's going on for real? Not what all his messengers are telling him? So, he gets another messenger. <laughs> Funnily enough, another Kievan uh, messenger arrives at the court of King Mal and says, Everything's going great. All of your people are there. We're all assembled. All of your guys and Princess Olya are on the way right now. So get ready because they're going to be here really soon. Uh, start making all of your wedding preparations. Um, the only thing that she requests along the journey here is that um, she wants to visit the city where her husband died to pay last respects to him, burn the body, do all of the things that you have to mm -hmm. do. You know, yeah. she can't marry this new guy until she's laid the old husband to rest. And, uh, you know, it's a very, very queenly princessy thing to do. Um, oh, yes. We'll, yes. we'll have a, a funeral for him. We'll burn the body and we'll we'll have a big feast to commemorate his death. So. Um, uh, what I need mm -hmm. is a nice structure and then a bunch of meats, cheeses, mead, um, and kind of have like a big party set up for us. And we'll all sit there and we'll all eat together. Okay. All right. Yeah. He sounds like that sounds great. All wonderful. I'll get it all set up. I'll make all the arrangements. Olya of Kiev rides out with her army, but she orders them to stay a little bit behind, far enough that they won't be seen or heard. After that, she rides into the town where this party is going to be and where the funeral is going to be held. She goes by herself. And we'll tell you about what happened right after this message from our sponsor. <laughs> 
Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable. And it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's dimebeautyco.com, code GETDIME for 20% off. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. All right, so Olya has ridden to the party without her army. She left it behind a ways. She rides in in her princessly finest on her horse. She rides into town with roses and she throws them on the tomb of her late husband, pays her respects. And then she goes to this big party by herself. There are, according to some versions of the story, 5,000 Derevlian noblemen, warriors, you know, slaves, peasantry, whatever. There's, it's a huge, lots of people, huge building full of Derevlians who have created this massive feast for her to kind of honor her and prepare her for the great wedding they're going to have. And everybody is kind of drinking and having a good time. Olya probably has a couple of her bodyguards with her because she would in this scenario. Oh, yeah. And yeah, but effectively she's by herself. Yeah, effectively by herself. The... A couple of trusted men with her, but like yeah. you know, she's eating and everybody's partying and drinking and they're having this great you know blowout rager party. And then at one point, everybody's kind of good and drunk, and some Derevlian nobleman, some higher ranking guy in the court of King Malhi. He's had a little too much to drink and he leans over to Olya and he's like, hey, how come you didn't bring more guys with you? Where's, you know, did you ride all this way by yourself with just a couple of people? Bam! All of the doors to the banquet hall are 
kicked open, and several thousand heavily armored, screaming Viking warriors with battle axes and swords come rushing in, screaming war cries of their Norse ancestors, screaming for vengeance of their fallen king, and they just red wedding this entire party. Nobody gets out alive. No one lives. Everybody is slaughtered that is inside this building. They're they're the great warriors of, of King Mal, but they're not armed for war. They're not wearing their no. armor. They're not. No, there's nothing. No, no, they're drunk. They're stuffed with really good food. Some of them are probably going into food comas or were going into food comas. Not expecting to be brained in the back of the head with a with a yeah. six foot war axe. Yeah. yeah, Olga has laid her trap. Yes. And she just keeps this guy, this guy, King Mel, he's just, I don't know. I don't know if the kids would say so thirsty, but I don't know. He's like, he just, he just keeps getting played. He just keeps getting punked by Queen Olya. And he's, he's still sitting back in his court, just really excited for her to show up. And, um, you know, Then he's he's sitting in his court and then he gets word that there's an army approaching up the main road and he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm expecting them. And and the messenger, the guy on the wall is like, no, it's not what you're expecting. It's not. It's Remember those 10,000 guys you sent out? It's not them. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a big Viking army, <laughs> and they're gonna surround. The capital here has like wooden walls. You know, it's not like a big medieval like stone fortress. This is like a wooden palisade, and uh, and the Viking army shows up, and only now does King Mal realize that he's been catfished. As like as the the Vikings encircle his capital and begin digging trenches and siege works and things like that. Um, and Mal, he knows when he's beaten, he offers terms of surrender to Olya. Okay, actually, you know, double dipping that tribute, not so bad. I'll, I'll you know, I, I don't have any more money, but I will do what anything you need to like, to please like not kill everybody in town and, and including mm-hmm. me. So how does Olga respond? Does, does she respond with violence or does she respond with another ruse? Oh, so um, she responds, well... She says she doesn't want to kill everybody. She doesn't want to kill King Mal. She doesn't want to annihilate his city. But she does, she can't leave here empty handed. That is not um, Princess Lee of her to like show up with this army Mm -hmm. and have you beaten and just, you know, if you're not going to pay me more money because you don't have it or whatever. we, you have to give me something. There has to be some offering of of, of dirt and water or something. Um, So she said, okay, well, I want, what I want is, I want one bird one flying bird for each household in the city and we'll call it even bring me the birds of your city and i will take them king mal and his people they're pretty happy they're not going to die these vikings are going to leave all we got to do is collect some birds so they get birds, all the... we've got birds yeah they yeah. got birds they got birds yeah. here so they've yeah. got all kinds of doves pigeons sparrows crows that kind of stuff all kinds of birds from the city who just kind of you know cities as they do to this day collect birds mm-hmm. and yes. um Yes. And they assemble all of these birds into their cages and they give them to Olya and she says, okay. And you know what? She leaves. That's it? <laughs> you look a little suspicious right now. <laughs> well, okay. If I were King Mal, I, I would be very suspicious right now. But I'm not King Mal. And King Mal seems like he misses opportunities to think critically. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic way to put that. 
yes, King Mal misses opportunities to think critically. King Mal is a, I would call him a naive idiot, but <laughs> I think the way you said it is probably better. <laughs> yeah, Olya gets about a mile away from town um, and she ties little like bits of cloth or paper or whatever to all these birds, lights them on fire and then lets all the birds go. <laughs> And Ooh. yeah, and so and these birds, where do they go? These birds well. are all on fire and they go to the place that they know best. So they all fly home. So all of these flaming birds return to this wooden palisade, thatched roof cottages, mostly made out of wood and straw city of the, of the Derevlians mm -hmm. while they're on fire and, um, you know, try to go back to what they know and they all catch various buildings and structures and things on fire um, and the entire uh, city catches on fire and burns to the ground. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm thinking back to a previous episode where we told the story of Cherami, the pigeon in World War II. Yeah. Now his job or his job, her job, I forget Cherami's gender, was delivering messages. And that's a fairly benign thing all Cherami had was a little message mm -hmm. tied to their leg yeah it's like that except Here, you set that got... on fire it's like the opposite of saving the lost battalion it's annihilating the entire yes. city yes and yeah and yeah. so everybody dies the place gets oh, caught on no. fire anybody who escapes gets killed by vikings um king mel dies that's the end of king mel that's that's the end of the Derevlians. Like you said, we don't really know exactly where they lived. And this is probably mm -hmm. part of why, because they ceased to kind yeah. of exist after yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. um, I like to envision that Olya just walked away from the explosion without looking back. Like you see in those movies, kind of slow-mo walk away while the city just blows up behind mm -hmm. her. That's mm -hmm. kind of how I picture this going down. Okay, so we've set the Derevlian city on fire. We've walked away. We don't look back. What's going on now? What's going on back in Kyiv? Okay, so the things progress for a few years. We're going to fast forward several years here. Mm -hmm. um, baby Sviatoslav, she's avenged her husband's death. I assume she gets the cup back. I don't, I don't know what happens to the cup, but I imagine she would have it or do something with it. Um, and return it to the tomb, maybe. I'm not sure. It's No more mention is made of the cup, but I'm very curious what happened to it. Uh, yes. But anyway, Sviatoslav is now old enough to take over as king. And um, he takes over and he's doing the very good, like, Viking Kievan Rus thing and going on military campaigns to expand the empire. Um, so he's gone a lot. He's leaving and he's, he's having battles. Olya's older now, um, but she had... He, he couldn't take over until he was somewhere in the 14 to 16 realm. Um, so she's mm -hmm. she's got over a decade, two decades at this point of administration experience running things as the queen. And she starts to do some reform stuff in, in Kievan Rus. Um, she sets up the first taxation system in Eastern Europe, which is pretty cool. She builds the first stone structures in Kiev and Novgorod as well. Um, and Sviatoslav, he, he liked doing the viking things he liked murder plunder destruction uh he didn't really care that much about ruling things and building structures so he kind of left a lot of, he was happy to leave all of that power to olya in an official capacity mm -hmm. so remember i said she's a she's an orthodox saint so that happens in 950 around 957 ad uh or ce when um when she goes by ship to constantinople to meet the byzantine emperor um, and she ends up deciding to convert to Orthodox Christianity. 
Uh, she meets Emperor Constantine the Seventh, and she determines that you know she was kind of she's living in an area where she's probably Viking pagan, um, but a lot of the mm-hmm. people around her have uh, different religious beliefs. The Slavs that she's mm-hmm. ruling over have different religious beliefs. And the closest, most powerful neighbor to them is Constantinople. So the best way to not only forge alliance with your powerful neighbor and like, you know, improve your your relationship with the people is to mm-hmm. unify the religions. So she opts to I mean, that's not how she puts it. And that's certainly not how the primary chronicle puts it. But she gets no, personally baptized by the way the... we can look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, gets, she the, the emperor wants to convert her and she says she'll do it. But only if the emperor himself uh, performs the baptism, which he does, which also. And I guess you can do that, apparently. I, I Apparently. So I think when you're the emperor, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> True. Fair point. Yeah. Um, but she. So he baptizes her. Yeah. So he baptizes her. And then he says, like, you know, maybe the best way for us to further cement our our alliance is for us to get married. And so the emperor of Byzantium proposes marriage to her. And she responds by quoting mm. a kind of obscure bit of, of Orthodox catechism where she's like, oh, actually, you're not allowed in the Orthodox faith. You're not allowed to marry the person who baptized you. And he's Oops. like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a that's in that's in the book, huh? And she's like, all right, see ya. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets her alliance or copacetic relations with a big, powerful neighbor. And she also maintains her personal freedom. Yeah, she doesn't have to marry the guy um, because if she married the guy, he was going to for sure send Byzantines oh, yeah. oh, to yeah. Kiev yeah, yeah. to take over the thing, right? Where the, that's how you end up that's how you end up mm-hmm. with a with a Bodica situation, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um okay, cool. So now she's in charge. Sviatoslav's off doing his thing. He's he's fighting people. He's in Poland, I think, fighting over there like present-day Poland, I guess, or I guess at this point it would be like, you know, western western ukraine somewhere in that region fighting it out with people um but while he's out west doing battle a group of um step warriors known as the pechenegs they arrive in 968 outside kiev oh and by step warriors we mean s-t-e-p-p-e like people from that part of central eurasia not step like stepmother or stepfather oh, step i just warriors. wanted to clarify oh, I like that. that yeah that's interesting because we've been talking about relations by marriage that's and, fair that's fair yeah okay so yeah so step warriors from further east on the continent yeah these are the pechenegs yeah so the pechenegs so Oya has you know has has Avenged her husband she has converted her people to orthodox which makes her a saint in among her people Everybody loves her. She's much older now, though. She's in her 80s at this point. Her son is is a strapping young, a strapping lad now. He's in his 50s or 60s, I think. Uh, he's off fighting. Well, thank you for thank you on behalf of our older listeners for considering 50 or 60 strapping young. <laughs> I didn't. I hadn't quite done the math yet, but I got. I got. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> no, I, I like. I like it. And. I mean, this is Olga, and she's still rocking it at 80, so why shouldn't her son be rocking it at age 50 or 60 or whatever? This dude's been on military campaigns since he was like 16, so I'm I'm guessing he's like a, he's a ripped, he's a ripped 60, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking he's been keeping in Mm -hmm. shape, right? He's been swinging a lot Mm -hmm. of swords over the last couple of decades, Uh, so... Here, I'm badass 
we give you not only dating advice but also workout advice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which becomes dating advice if you if you <laughs> if you leverage it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you swing a lot of swords yep. when you're sixty, you probably look pretty good. <laughs> um, so anyway, he's gone. He's gone with the army, and Olya Saint Olya is now here, and these Pechenegs show up, and like you said, step warriors. So picture. Mongols, Turks, uh, picture Attila the Hun. We're talking like lightly armored guys on horseback with mean bows, bow and arrows, that kind of style. And these guys arrive within like striking distance of Kiev. And Olya is like, uh oh, somebody failed. Some intelligence thing failed here. And now the Pejanegs arrive and they encircle the capital. And she is there with her three little baby grandchildren who were infants at the time uh, and all of her people and the city that she's built up her whole life. And they're surrounded by freaking Attila the Huns guys now. Um, So what do you do here? You're in big trouble. The army's gone. Well, okay, this is all us. So... I'd say there's a, I don't know, 30 to 50% chance at least that she will come up with some sort of subterfuge involving fire. (laughs) Well, you are right about subterfuge. Um, She's a saint now, so she can't go burning everybody. But if she had the opportunity to burn all these guys, I'm sure she would consider it or probably do it. But what she does is first, she kind of rallies the people, you know, you know, don't surrender. You know, we're going to resist the barbarians. Uh, we're going to resist the the, the Pechenegs. Um, so she sends a messenger. Uh, this guy sneaks out of town, a, a Kievan guy sneaks out of town, swims across the Dnipro and links up to a pretty small garrison of Kievan troops that are stationed on the other bank of the river on the um, on the east bank of the river. So it's a little outpost, kind of like a a garrison guard station here. Um, And they're massively outnumbered by the Pechenegs. You know, not very many guys. Uh, And Olya orders them to return to the capital. Uh, And what she ends up doing is she tells them to kind of crest this hill. And everybody wave a flag and blast their trumpet and make a lot of noise and run your horses in circles to make a bunch of dirt and make a bunch of dust Mm -hmm. and make as much noise as you can as you crest this hill and get to the top of the hill and wait for me. And make it look like there are a lot of people, a lot of trumpets, a lot of horses. Yeah, a lot of screaming and yelling. Make it sound Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of you. And so what happens is the Pechenegs have surrounded Kiev. And this over the hill on this crest, you hear the trumpets and the horses and the stampeding and the yelling and you see these banners arrive and the front gates of Kiev are flung open and standing there by herself is 80 year old St. Olga of Kiev, her arms out as though she's welcoming her son back from conquests on the frontier and uh, makes this big display of it for the Pechenegs who are all around watching and the Pechenegs run away. <laughs> they think that it's Prince Sviatoslav returning with the massive army. They thought they caught him off guard, but he's here and he's coming from the direction they weren't expecting it. He's behind them. <laughs> they got to run. Uh, they've lost and they they run away. And Kiev is, is, is saved. Woohoo! Olya then sends a letter to a messenger, said, go find my son, deliver this letter to him. And the letter demands that Sviatoslav return immediately and avenge the disgrace of having his capital besieged by Pechenegs. 
So he does. He rides back and he fights them and he defeats them, kills their chief, <laughs> slaughters their army. <laughs> and then Olya gets news that she that uh, that she's been avenged um, and dies uh-huh. shortly thereafter with a smile on her face. <laughs> good for her. Yes. Good for her. She uh, she's given a good Christian burial. She dies in her mid to late 80s um, and is declared not only an Orthodox saint, but also equal to the apostles, which is a um, an honor that has only been given to a very select group of women in the history of the Orthodox Church. Yeah. And to show you what sort of company she's in, theologically speaking, the some of the other equal to the apostle women were Mary Magdalene and Fotine, the Samaritan woman from the well in the Gospel of John, Thecla, who may have helped write one of the apocryphal Acts of the Apostles with St. Paul, Helena, mother of Constantine the Great, because of course he made his Saint- mom the uh, equal to the Apostles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, best Mother's Day gift ever, I suppose. <laughs> like, Hey, mom, I could take you out for brunch or <laughs> Make you equal I could to give the you a theological honor. Yeah. Um, and St. Nino, who is the woman who brought orthodoxy to Georgia. So there's uh, definitely a trend towards, or not a trend, but there's a priority for people who spread the good word, people who bring Christianity to populations that were not... Uh, previously Christian. And yeah, it's, that's our Olha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's three it's a couple people who who spread orthodoxy and it's a couple of women who literally appear in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And this gives us some context for our Olha because yeah, she did some things that by my personal standards might not be that saintly. There's a lot of killing people, a lot of burning people with fire. And yet she is still canonized and given these great honors. And she is a powerful symbol in, as we talked about in the intro, she's a powerful symbol yeah, in yeah. several countries. So Kievan Rus like kind of becomes not just, uh, is claimed not just by Ukraine and Russia, but Belarus and some of the other um, neighboring countries. Uh, her grandson, one of the little infants that was in Kiev when it was surrounded by Pechenegs, he goes on to become King Vladimir the Great, who is, you know, a hero in all of those countries as well. And it's very interesting how she's kind of portrayed now because, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but an interesting thing is she kind of represents Ukrainian resistance in a lot of ways. So she's mm-hmm. being yeah, kind of yeah. uh, represented by Ukraine as like, you know, I, we, we've defend, I've defended Kiev, I'm from Kiev, and I, I you know, uh, defended it against all all foreign opponents. Um, so, and I urged you to fight and to defend the city and all of these kind of what seem would they would be obvious parallels. Um, but Russia likes to point to her as well and to Kievan Rus because mm-hmm. one of the settlements later on in Kievan Rus is Moscow and these people. And so Russia likes to point to Kievan Rus as an example of we're all the same people. We all came from the same place. So we're all Russia, which is kind of the opposite of what the Ukrainians are doing with her. So it's an interesting thing about Olga of Kiev versus Olya of Kiev and, and how, you know, how we can kind of manipulate history to tell the story Mm -hmm. that we want to tell. 
and how totally, language yes. is involved with that as well, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Olya for her part didn't uh, didn't have any problems that she couldn't handle by by coming up with a clever plan and then probably setting some people on fire, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is pretty badass. It is. It is. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. If you are enjoying the podcast, please do um, subscribe. Please share it with your friends, like it, leave a comment. It really, really helps us out. Spread the word like St. Olha. Yes, but with a lot less fire. Thanks for listening. Stay badass. Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.